Keep your hands and head inside the vehicle at all times. Buckle your seatbelts, check your mirrors, sit on back and relax. It's lights out and away we go for the Tall and Short of It podcast. Jamie's hidden. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Tall and Short of It podcast coming to you live from Neo Tokyo. I'm your host, Justin. And I'm Aaron. Uh, Welcome back, everyone. We've got a a great episode again this week. We've got some uh, quick hitters, as always, some Formula One talk leading up into Baku, uh, League of Legends, and uh, the midseason Invitational coming up, CSGO's IEM Rio, and of course, some Magic the Gathering. And it is good to see you, Justin. We've got a, a lot to dig into this evening good to see you too got a got a uh, race hang in the books planned uh now i'm excited looking forward to that but maybe not nearly as excited as i am uh for this race coming up this weekend it's been it's been a long drought in between my friend but uh oh, but yeah. like a cool drink of water here this week uh give me your rose thorn and see what you got going on here Sounds good. So my uh, rose was um, this weekend was just a lot of fun on Saturday. Um, in the morning, we went and checked out a new uh, dog park like bar place um, that opened up in, in nearby. So it's a dog park like they have no toys out for the dogs. They don't allow treats, no dogs on leashes to kind of eliminate the main causes of dogs to be like stressed out and unhappy. The like leash aggression, fighting over food and resources, fighting over toys and whatnot. So mm-hmm. um, we were there and it was fantastic. We There were like 20 dogs running around, none of them getting in fights or are getting into anything, no issues, the occasional humper, but outside of that, um, Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, they have, they have employees going around who like clean up, like pick up after the dogs and stuff. If they like go to the bathroom on the turf, um, they had a have or have a bar coffee, all sorts of stuff. So we're there in the morning, like, just hanging out, letting Santa run around, be a goofball. She kept just like sitting in front of other like families that were like just hanging there. She would just like sit in front of a random family and just like chill there for a bit. And we're like, that's neat though. It was, but we're like, she's going to go home with someone else on accident. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But, uh, it was, it was funny. It was a, a cool experience. Um, and then I did some uh, rock climbing that afternoon with some of my friends. So uh, just at the, the climbing gym they go to, but it's a lot of fun. It kills my body afterwards, my arms and, and back and every and uh, fingers and just all are always uh, pretty sore, um, but it's fun. And then on Sunday, we checked out a food truck festival um, here nearby, uh, ended up going through. So I'll talk about that a little bit with my flavor of the week. Um, but yeah, so that was my rose. It was a, a, an active, but fun filled weekend. Um, and cool to go to this dog park. We're looking, it's a membership like paid place. So we're looking at doing like a monthly thing, depending on how busy we are to get sent out socializing. Sure. Dude, that's really cool. Having a, um, 
having a social planner for your pup is uh, such a modern thing to be had. That's super cool. I think it's um, one of the things that we realized was nice was we can go and she can get all this energy out. Even mm-hmm. if we are tired, we can just go and like hang and sit in chairs mm-hmm. and just kind of like watch her do her thing. Um, and she, of course she had some dog buddies that uh, she had uh, my friend's dogs that were there too and everything to nice. uh, keep her preoccupied, but it was, it was pretty cool to check out. Um, so I'm looking forward to to doing that periodically. Yeah, that sounds um, really neat. Yeah, but my uh, my thorn this week is that uh, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword. It goes with my seed, but um, I have a short week this week of work because I'm going to be out of town s- tomorrow through the weekend, but that just meant that I had to make sure I had all my ducks in a row and really crammed more than three days' work into those three days. Um, mm-hmm. And especially I ended up having uh, three move-ins, one tomorrow, one Friday, one Saturday, um, that I had to prep all the things and information and whatnot for and hand off to um, my team to actually like get these people their keys and moved in and all. Um, so I was just stressful. It was uh, I worked slightly later than normal today just to um, make sure I had everything in order and all. Um, but with that for this weekend, I'm going up to my buddy's uh, bachelor party up in New York. So um, it'll be a fun weekend getting to hang out uh, with him and just enjoy and, and celebrate um, his upcoming wedding and also uh, should be, should be a good time. Yeah. That's super exciting, man. And congratulations. Uh, congratulations to your friend on the wedding. That's super cool. Yeah, should be uh should be fun. There'll be lots of weddings coming up uh but this is uh one of the first this year. It'll be um just in a little over a month. So, looking forward nice. to that. But that's uh my rose thorn and seed for this week. Very cool, man. Sounds like you got a lot of good stuff on the books. Um uh yeah, I'm excited to hear it for you. That's neat. Um my rose here very simply I'm just very excited to be back in uh in a in a race week I guess you would say looking ahead mm. to having a race on the weekend maybe a better way to say that um but yeah it's just been so long and I think it'll be fun to have um a lot more racing as well cuz isn't Baku don't we have a sprint on Saturday as well Yes. So we'll, Hell yeah. we'll definitely, I, that's one of the things I want to get into a little bit. Sure. The sprint format's going to be a little different this, uh, this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I have two, uh, two race opportunities at a pretty, pretty cool track. So I'm looking forward to it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's just going to be great. My thorn here is right from today. We had a, um, we had a, I would say, a like minor miscommunication that left me like almost feeling like I was having a heart attack in the moment in the sense of like I was so fearful that this guy was not kidding. He made a joke after after the massage where he's like, he's like, man, that was so good. I feel so relaxed. And like with pretty much a dead like a a straight face he was like i think your clocks are broken 
and me and Sarah both are like, oh no, like, did we like cut them on time? Was it supposed to be 90, but we did 60? Oh, like, man. we were like legit afraid that like we did something wrong. Like, both of us were like, oh no, 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 please. And then he like, he's like, yeah, yeah, because that was it ended so fast that was great and he had to like <laughs> prompt us with the joke and both of us were just like man just so relieved that this guy was kidding but man like we that, were super afraid that is so concerning too especially like in yeah that's and it's funny because on my end, like I had a small, a mini moment like that today. I was, um, I was setting up an apartment like for a moving and everything, making sure everything is good. And I look at the clocks and the one says like 1238 or something like that. And I'm like, Oh, okay. It's only 1238. Then I like check my phone and the clock hadn't been reset for daylight saving. So it was actually one thirty eight. And I was like, oh, my God, I have so much stuff to still do. <laughs> and I just lost an hour sort of in my brain. Sure. Um, so, yeah, no, I'd be I'd be have a similar reaction if I were in your position. Very much. So, yeah, uh, happy that he uh, let us in on the joke there and, you know, uh, kind of saved us from that panic and embarrassment. Um, so more, you know, more funny than anything. But yeah, that was uh, that was as close I've come to a panic attack so, or like a, a heart attack so far. Um, and then my seed here this week, I know I've talked about having um, uh, making improvements at the office. We went to Best Buy, perused the round, saw kind of what our options are and met with like, all right, so like, what route do we go? Asked a couple of questions. The guy was like, honestly, here's the best best thing that you do. So we have an in-office consultation set up where they're going to come in, take a look at our setup, and recommend a strategy, and then could help uh, do the install as well. Um, so while we may not like move forward in that route, I think it'll still be cool to just get way more information, especially where yeah. like, my knowledge about it, it's very, it's it's actually very limited when I was presented with all the options. It's like, oh, okay, we've got, we've got a lot to consider here. Um, so I think having somebody walk through it with us is going to be super strong. Yeah, that'll be awesome. And I mean, it also gives you ideas for what you could do, what you might like. It like opens more doors once you see what like the options are. Um, right for for that and everything and rework in the space so yeah because something one of the guys said there was like yeah yeah i could sell you all of this stuff but like you would get it home and be like okay well what do i do with it now like how do i set this up yeah um and that was a and that was a super fair point so i was happy that also happy good that salesman we... to not just be like yeah yeah but this is all the stuff you need and just send you home with it to be like okay <laughs> sure well, and then on top of it, like it probably just from like a like a sales strategy, it it yes, it pushes the sale to let's say like next week or whatever, but we may be inclined to spend way more money with them, right? Yeah. Um, or to just like work with them instead of being like, oh, I'm gonna go uh, and like see how much these things are somewhere else, kind of thing. Right. So. Right. 
so yeah, I thought it was uh, uh, just a useful opportunity there. So we're going to run with that on Saturday and look forward to, you know, just see, seeing what our options are. But uh, yeah, nice. that's my rose, thorn, and seed for the week, dude. Solid. I'm looking to hear how that goes. Um, I'm sure it'll be enlightening to have them out uh, to kind of work with you on it. Um, but moving over into some of the quick hitters for today's episode. So uh first one i got uh there was another drake ai song that came out that i heard on tiktok uh this week give me the album man let me tell you so okay first off it sounds exactly like it could be him it like it's impossible to tell the difference practically and you know what that made me think that made me f- or made me feel it made me feel validated validated that uh, of all these years of shit talking drake and telling and saying on this podcast and to anyone who will bend an ear when his name comes up that all of his music is generic it sounds the same you could pick a bunch of songs from all different albums slap them together and you wouldn't be able to tell that it's not from the same album and an ai has figured out how to do it in no time and create music that sounds like it could just be his same, just like poppy, what like music that he puts out mm-hmm. that all sounds the same. Mm-hmm. And so that just, that made me feel very validated that I am right that Drake sucks because an AI can make music that's just as good as his. yeah yeah and that's like the fear that's like the overarching fear that's part of what like the this this writer strike is about is like we used to think that this that musical product that these artists is like it's oh it can only come from them like they do it so no no man like it can be reproduced and just uh created very quickly you were Um, right about a a big part of that though is that the ai has to have something to base the music off of sure so there does still have to be like real artists creating and making music for the ai to like follow the changing times of music and everything because it won't be able to i feel like necessarily create a new direction for or new style for a genre to go into or something how music has just changed over time without Hmm. actual musicians changing it because it's basing all of its knowledge off of previously created things is that not what musicians are doing just like re reinterpolating yeah, but, old styles, kind of making it old. Like, don't you think there would be enough of a enough of a catalog of just sound in general on on these? Um, I forget what they're called. The like the the information frameworks that they like servers, like the, and... like the reference libraries that they have yeah. the AI like running off of. I bet they could do it for years, like years. Yeah. But 
you're saying it wouldn't evolve. It would just be like rehashes of what is already kind of in the zeitgeist. Which there is plenty of in like new music anyway. There are people who like listen to so-and-so when they were growing up. So that's one of their, I mean, Logic in a bunch of his albums, it has the computer voice. I can't remember her name. Um, but talking about how like the influences for his music and like Kanye Mm -hmm. and Quentin Tarantino and this and that and all going through like, yeah, artists base their music off of things. And so, Mm -hmm. so is AI, but when there are the, the human value of it is the uniqueness. And so someone like, I couldn't say that, I don't think I could say that 10 years ago an AI would have created Billie Eilish style music. Billie Eilish is very unique. She has a unique style, a unique like mm. singing pattern. Her voice is so unique. Like you, it wouldn't have been able to create that uniqueness from previous music because she and her brother who write the music and everything developed that whole style kind of on their own. And I'm sure you could find similar things or interests, but I think like the vocal ranges that people have and things like that, like create a unique, cause there are limits to that person's vocal abilities. So that kind of can push them to do things a certain way. As opposed mm-hmm. to an AI where the the possibilities are endless, but that maybe means it's not as unique or there's not as like the changing of style. So that's it's a it I'm really intrigued by it. It's like a rabbit hole that I've started to like dip my toes in with this AI stuff because I'm just it, it blows my mind a bit. So I could probably jabber on for for a while about it, but. But yeah, uh, back to your original point. Nothing original about Drake's music, and <laughs> it just like doesn't sound any different, except except for what is it? Um, I'm pretty sure it's "What a Time to Be Alive." No, what's the what's the white album cover? It's the with one the with with black it's, um, letters. Oh, um, if you're hearing this, it's too late. I think that's it. Or if you're reading this, it's too late. Yes. And I would also say the That's the um, best that's the best one. What a time to be alive though with future with future is the album as a whole of Drake's that I've probably enjoyed the most. Okay. Personally. But I think uh I think that just worked very well. But uh, staying in the, the music vein a little bit for this next one over this long break that we had, uh, I think F1 Twitter and uh, just Twitter in general was a little a little bored without the F1 drama going on. So um, there were a bunch of tweets and things that I saw uh, that basically were saying that Fernando Alonso and Taylor Swift were now dating after her recent breakup uh, that... Uh, she recently announced that she had broken up with her boyfriend and um, somehow Fernando Alonso's name got thrown into the mix. And this like grew very quickly. Like I think it was probably a joke from someone who was bored 
who's an F1 fan. And then it got grabbed hold a little bit in the Taylor Swift, like Twitter sphere to the point that Fernando actually posted a TikTok with a Taylor Swift song in the background and everything. And like, um, he said, deeper. he said it was his, uh, uh, on the TikTok, he said it was his race week era which the all the Taylor Swift eras is the the big thing. So he like fed into it, which I I find it so funny how much of a troll he is. Like last year when he uh, signed with Aston Martin and then just pieced out for like two weeks on vacation because there was uh, the uh, summer break where he was just mm-hmm. like dropped it and then posted a picture of him like on an island or something like that being like Damn. see you when we're back guys That's um sick. so i just i think fernando is hilarious um but i i found it amusing that colleen's world of loving taylor swift and everything and then fernando alonso i was sending her every tweet and everything that i saw all week about it i'm like oh i think it's real i think it's real <laughs> so hell I, yeah i uh whoever started that on twitter i got some some nice entertainment out of that so i appreciate you damn and maybe uh maybe the false flag flying actually gets fernando and taylor to be like hey maybe we do you want to go out for you know coffee or whatever That'd yeah crazy that would be um mm-hmm. i think it would be hilarious so um i hope that it continues and and people keep talking about it but um talk, switching over to something some more like um or or less silly f1 topics uh the f1 academy first race week is this weekend i believe uh, and so this is what the W series um, kind of morphed into for up and coming women uh, for formula one. And it is very disappointing because apparently they are not broad. Like they're not going to have video of it anywhere. Like they're not broadcasting it They're it, They like talked about it a bunch in the F1 Academy. And we're like, creating this new series for for women to get into racing and whatnot. And then they're just like, we couldn't find like hardly anything about when it was starting or where it was going to be or anything like a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have the race and all they'll have is live timings that you can, like a page that you can just see like, Who's in the lead. Yeah. And so it's kind of disappointing. Like, I understand if it's not going to be on ESPN, if they're not going to have it on Sky Sports. I pay for the F1 app. Like, just just throw it on there. You've got F3 and F2 on there. If you're really trying to promote the the series and everything, like, throw it on there. I I probably wouldn't have watched it depending on what, because I assume that it's not going to be in a great time for most people to watch because those primetime slots are held for F2, F3, F1. So I, right. I I get that it maybe I couldn't have seen it, but like 
I could go back and watch it or check out highlights or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope that they put out some content afterwards, but it's a disappointing start to this new series that they're creating this year. That's an interesting strategy when you were talking about this. The ideas that were coming up were like, well, maybe they're like hedging financial bets where they're trying not to like sink way too much into it where it like kind of goes under and then they have to rebrand again and blah, blah, blah. Maybe they're maybe they're doing their best to understand its current reach and then develop it where it's actually sustainable and they haven't like kind of overshot their expectations and have to like oh we gotta we gotta (laughs) rein it back in maybe like this is them reining it back in so while yeah unfortunate um yeah unfortunate that you're not going to be able to like you know get the vod or watch it live hopefully there's enough interest for people going to the track and hitting the live timing page where they do want to bring video of it um, yeah, I mean that that would be a great way for it to work out. I think it's easier to go in the reverse a little bit, though, to like actually have a broadcast, even if it's not like, hey, don't have commentators. You just have, I don't know, like a few cameras around the. Like it probably could be done on a pretty small scale. You have like. I don't know, a crew of 50 people who work for an extra three, four hours to to do a quick broadcast of the race. I mean, some of the old F1 races that are on the F1 app or F1 TV app don't have commentary because there wasn't commentary when these races were recorded back in the like 70s, mm. 80s and whatnot for some of those right. races. Like, hey, don't do it. Someone... I don't know. Someone can co-cast it on YouTube or something like that. Or like, sure. it just seems weird. And, and I think to have a broadcast and say, okay, this is how many people watched it as opposed to like hoping to determine how many people are interested based on like clicks to the website, I think is uh, like, I doubt most people will be like clicking and refreshing that live timing page as opposed to like maybe just afterwards, like go into the F1 Academy results page and going, Oh, like who won this race? But Mm. if you, I I think it's easier to, yeah, like scale it down than to like try and scale it up proportionally to interest. If that makes sense. That's my argument is that this is the scale back. Was it not, like on TV before well, as the W series. I think it was, but it was not, you see what I'm saying, but it wasn't like under F one's brand, like as the W series that was run. I'm pretty sure run by like an outset, like I'm pretty sure it was not run by like formula one. Like it okay. may have been an FIA, um, an FIA like sanctioned thing, but yeah, yeah, that's fine. But if the if the FIA is now in charge of it, it would make sense for them to look at like what didn't really work, the interest that wasn't there, and say like, okay, well, it did not pay 
the time on you know screen didn't pay for the ads or whatever so we're just not going to go that route yet until maybe they can like build it grassroots that's what i'm saying is like the broadcast already didn't work for whatever company was hosting it yeah so i mean i i do get that to some extent i would just imagine with the um facilities and like all all that f1 has already as a organization and everything that they could probably do it on at a lower like cost per event than like the w series was to try and like broadcast like f1 tv has their own app that they can post it to and everything there's right they're not like having to buy rights and like i said hey don't show it on espn don't show don't pay sky sports to broadcast it or have that part of the deal um stream it live on youtube from the formula one youtube page like it doesn't have to be one it just doesn't have to be like a, a huge cost necessarily. And I think mm-hmm. F1 has all the things in place to like reduce the cost, like the sure. cameras and everything's already ready this weekend. It's there. It's like mm-hmm. good to go. Um, so no, I, I would, I would tend to agree with you. I just uh, was offering the, um, Oh yeah, no, you I know just I, another angle. I just, uh, it's strange to like announce that you're doing this thing and that like act like it's a big, like, yes, F1, we are doing this to put it out there and then not put it out there. It's just, it's a bit bizarre. Um, sure. Yeah. I would, I would tend to agree. Yeah. So, uh, another, another big thing during this long break though that came up was, um, uh, Franz Toast of Alpha Tauri, their team principal, announced that he'll be stepping down at the end of the year. Uh, Ferrari's assistant team principal, um, Laurent Mickeys, is going to join Alpha Tauri as their um, team principal. Uh, apparently, there's interest in uh, Mickeys from Alpine as well um, to come join their organization, but due to the contract with Ferrari, they didn't. Um, I think they didn't allow him to leave the contract for Alpine since they are a higher competitor on the grid Mm -hmm. at this point. Um, So uh, pretty big change up. Um, Franz Tost is, I mean, he's an older guy. I'm imagining he's just going to retire and kind of maybe consult here and there. Um, But that'll be uh, a shakeup with Alpha Tauri. Um, who also over the break apparently uh, what Red Bull was getting a number of offers to buy the Alpha Towery team, um, including some offers uh, that went up to about eight hundred million dollars that were declined. So as of right now, Alpha Towery is going to uh, not be for sale for uh, for the F one slot uh mm-hmm. i'm very curious who was offering 800 million dollars for that spot though so you're saying red bull currently owns that alpha towery slot it's I, yes i 
I think they technically own the slot, but it's run by a separate organization, kind of like the Alfa Romeo Sauber slot. Like Sauber owns that Alfa Romeo slot, but uh, Alfa Romeo is the organization, like Alfa Romeo's F1 team is the organization that drives in the slot. Right. So I guess I think that's how it technically breaks down. Yeah. And that makes sense. Um, I just was momentarily confused at the, um, cause they're referred to as like the sister team, obviously. Right. Um, gotcha. So there is another organization offering that kind of, uh, that kind of capital for that, for that slot. Yeah. So it's, uh, that's a, that's a big number. I mean, it could be Andretti. It could be one of these other, it could be someone completely new to F1 or uh, Audi, Porsche, one of the, who knows, but, uh, definitely an interesting, um, kind of thing to, to come up, especially that Red Bull is not looking to sell the team. I think that, it does speak a lot to the to the partnership in terms of drivers that they have and everything in terms of the kind of farm system as it mm-hmm. were and then of course the new agreement with uh AlphaTauri buying some parts from Red Bull um i think they are looking at it like as business people they they're very pretty content i think with the the symbiotic relationship that they have and uh maybe aren't excited about inviting someone new to the grid who uh might shake that up so Mm -hmm. yeah no that's a that's a great point um where yeah we were talking about that last week with the um uh looking to buy uh what would that be called uh red bull being the works team and then AlphaTauri just being a just like a customer be, parts, gotcha. Yeah, like a a buyer, I guess. Like I, I, yes. I don't know what they. Yeah, I guess I'm, a customer. I I feel like I guess I'm having the sense that there's like an actual term for it, but maybe it's, there it's there might be. Specific. I feel like it's eluding me. I feel I I I agree. I feel like there is something that they've coined it um, somewhere some somewhere somebody out there knows uh that is not for us to know though yeah maybe one day we'll be maybe uh, one day we'll be the, old enough the, to the to curtain learn. will be pulled back mm-hmm. <laughs> um but uh another another quick hitter but gunter steiner said he doesn't imagine so if lewis doesn't get re-signed with mercedes at any point he doesn't imagine any of the other top three teams uh looking to sign him at this point so whether that's red bull um ferrari or aston martin i think it makes sense they all have pretty solid seeming drivers lineups like i don't see anywhere and we that's what we had kind of talked about that we didn't really see a spot for him Mm -hmm. to go um but uh another person looking to uh to not stay on the grid but rejoin uh nikita mazepin is looking to try and get back into formula one um and is actually taking uh the legal course to um 
try and basically say that the ban of Russian drivers that was put in place uh, at the start of the Russia-Ukraine conflict going on and everything um, was illegal, I think he's trying to say, so that he can be unbanned and have the opportunity back uh, to find his way back in F1. I just also don't know who would take him on as a driver. So I, I don't think it'll amount to anything. Um, But Dan Tictum, one of the former Red Bull junior drivers who is driving in formula E uh, he had come out this week and said that he thinks there's a few F1 drivers who shouldn't be on the grid and a number of formula E drivers. He thinks uh, that should be there instead. Um, take. Yeah, I, I would say so. And it made, I mean, it's worth considering, but it's also not like on, it's not like that abnormal for team for drivers to like bounce around like Albon went to Formula E when he didn't have a seat in F1 and then right. came back Stoffel Van Dorn drives for Mercedes Formula E team and is their reserve driver um what oh uh, what's the other uh oh Antonio Antonio Giovinazzi went right from F1 to Formula E and like right. was still uh drove in the alpha Tauri like testing slots last year that there are like the required like fp1 testing that you give to a, another driver or whatever mm-hmm. so i mean i don't think it's that abnormal but i also don't i don't personally feel that there's any driver that after what three races i would say I can definitively say shouldn't be on the grid. I mean, like I can see that. Uh, I can see that point of view. It is the like min max objective. If you were to put them all in the same car on the same track, this guy believes that a couple of these formula E drivers would just one-to-one outperform select you know for formula one drivers whatever man fine but Mm. there are so many other factors to getting a seat and i'm not even like playing favorites to any of the formula one drivers i'm just saying that's just like that feels like a nothing burger of a of a take where it's like yeah yeah there's skilled people everywhere and i imagine if you give these people that opportunity they'd excel i imagine if you give these people that opportunity they'd excel i mean yeah it's like there there's a finite amount of positions so like we're we're saying oh yeah we think these indie car drivers could do well in f1 oh we think these formula e drivers could do well in f1 well there's a lot of drivers in f1 that do well in f1 and so like there there is a, a finite like limit to it so yeah that's a that's a good point that uh it is kind of a yeah a bit of a, a silly 
take like, oh, these guys that play really good basketball in Europe could probably play really good basketball in the NBA too. It's like, well, yeah, they just either haven't gotten the opportunity or like chose to drive in Europe or to play basketball in Europe. Like, right. And it's spoken with the connotation as though like they're, they're somehow like a victim in this scenario. Like, oh, dude, these Formula E drivers, like, there's a couple of F1 drivers that they beat out, you know? It's like they've been like wrongfully placed in Formula E. God forbid you get to drive single seaters still. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, come on, bro. Right. And like, if, if those drivers are good enough to be. F1 drivers, then, hey, maybe they should be targeting reserve driver positions or sim racing positions for those for for F1 teams. And then if maybe they'll get the opportunity if they're just smoking, like if if you're like reserve driver is smoking one of your main drivers on the sim in like comparable times and everything, then like, yeah, that, that would be a reason. But um we're never gonna get all the drivers in the same car on the same day in the same track conditions like ever to be like okay here's the official like power rankings of these drivers like right it's just not not possible so yeah it's a it's an interesting thought but um but yeah i think like you said nothing burger is uh is probably a pretty good word for it Hey, yo, I've got no, I've got no hate for, uh, for, for Dan Tickdom. That's just like a funny take. Yeah, that's absolutely no, not, uh, not trashing him or anything. Um, but, uh, there were a number of reports and this is like something obviously that has been talked about across the grid, I think this year and last year. Um, but there is a lot of Carlos Sainz hate going around uh, in terms of uh, there's a number of people that um, are saying he is unperforming, that Ferrari's getting is going to or is getting tired of him. Um, I don't think that there's any like I saw this from a number of places over the past week that Carlos Sainz is underperforming and Carlos Sainz is like Ferrari. He's not meeting up to the expectations and everything. And I'm like underperforming who? Yeah. Charles Leclerc with six points. Who's he? Yeah. Like, that's what like, I'm saying, bro. He's literally in fifth. It's crazy. And also the Ferrari is clearly not a uh, reliable and like, not the fastest car on the grid. Like, I don't know. I don't know what, like Carlos drove pretty well last year and pretty consistently. Like he wasn't, Mm. he wasn't, he got his first win last year. Yeah. Like like underperforming. What, if anything, he's like on the rise in a shitty car. Yeah. Like it, it was bizarre. That's the problem. He looks like a villain. It 
maybe that's i don't know what it is or maybe it's just everyone's like just love of leclerc that they're like well there there are so many people in the world we've seen it over the years with like formula one critics and like people with opinions that like they struggle to like talk up one person without comparing them and putting down another person. Like I remember every time a new female um, uh, like caster or interviewer or anything came on to the LCS or the LEC or anything, everyone's like, well, they suck compared to shocks. Why would like that? Like this is, Oh, what is this shocks light or whatever? And it's like, no, they're just like a new person. Like let like you can criticize and say, "Oh, well like I wasn't a big fan of their delivery at certain moments. They seemed like they were a bit flustered when they got thrown off their game. They they need some more time of like like you can critically say like I didn't like X, Y, and Z because they X, Y, and Z without going, "Well, this person does it better." And so I feel like sure. that's that comparison to Leclerc is negative to science just because Leclerc is a more beloved me- member of Ferrari because he's been there longer and he's like supposed hmm. to be this golden child. So of course, signs is going to get more hate than Leclerc would, but I don't think by any means he's underperforming. No, yeah, I just think that's categorically not right. If he was at the bottom of the grid, maybe currently, I would, I would argue, like, yeah, maybe he's underperforming. But no, I don't think he's, I don't think he's having a problem at all. Like, especially the, like, you looked at the drivers that are close to him. Um, you know, George with eighteen points, Lance with twenty points as well. Yeah, Lewis is, you know, uh he's got like almost double the amount of points that Carlos has, but no one's ever compared Carlos to Lewis. I mean, I just think it's important that he is like outperforming his teammate in this scenario. Um yeah, I would imagine those are just like uh stands in some way and not looking at all the data they're just maybe looking at the driver ignoring the fact that ferraris have literally exploded on the track um and just saying that it's like it's all the driver's fault it's all carlos Sainz just being a villain i just don't think that's like true i i completely agree i just think it's it was weird um and even helmet marco came out um and i mean i know you he's he is someone that most people don't trust with what he says but he was like he said why should ferrari part ways with carlos that doesn't make sense carlos is doing a good job ferrari has other problems than thinking Mm -hmm. of signs and Mm -hmm. that's where i'm at too i'm like He's a solid, consistent driver. Your car has reliability issues, tire wear issues. Like even Leclerc, who is like was competing early in the season last year for the drivers' championship, is struggling very hard right now. Mm. Like there's way bigger issues than signs. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I would agree. And to to even say he's an issue, I disagree with. Um, but, uh, one technical note that came out this week, there was a, um, inspection of Max's car after the Australian Grand Prix. 
so it was a it was randomly chosen among the top 10 cars for a more extensive physical inspection. I'm sure that this happens like every single race. There's a car that's picked here. Um, but they inspected the uh, front and rear uh, front and rear suspension, uh, front and rear inboard suspension, um, all of the dampers, sensors, all of that jazz, um, and found that everything is in accordance with the 2023 F1 regulations. So not that I, I didn't expect them to be, but I've seen uh, a lot of the teams trying to figure out how the Red Bull is riding so low. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about how their rake last year was the highest on the grid in terms of the angle. And now they are the lowest practically like on the ground at like all times. Uh, and it's something that's helped them a lot with the arrow of the car. Um, so interest and like, I was curious when I saw that this came out, I like, it's all, it's only like, five sentences long, but I was like, Oh, I want to read this and see. Um, because there are things like the DOS system that Mercedes had, uh, and everything that Mm -hmm. are like not in breach of technical regulations, but in a gray area. And from this report, it seems like everything is just like, yep, they just, everything's good. Everything meets, uh, meets the requirements. So, um, very impressive from the Red Bull team with the car like that they've been able to put out there this year. Um, it's it's kind of wild how big of a shift they took in terms of some of their aero and everything this past year and are still uh, starting out so strong into, mm-hmm. into this season. Well, and it's a good look for them too, especially where – it seems like they're under increased scrutiny after the, you know, budget cap shenanigans and all that. Um, so it's good that they can get uh, kind of a vote of confidence from the FIA scrutineers um, to say, like, yeah, everything's above board here um, to. If that was called like if unwanted eyes on their vehicle was a problem, this should help to alleviate that. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. Um, Mm -hmm. so that is, uh, is definitely interesting and we'll see how that, um, I think with, like we talked about alpha towery starting to buy the suspension, uh, front suspension Mm -hmm. components and all, um, that could be something that, if they're doing this so successfully meeting all the regulations and all will look really good for them um, in that partnership as well. And then one last little tidbit before we get into the Grand Prix coming up at Baku. Um, but Otmar Zafnauer from Alpine, um, he, he thinks that Alpine still has a shot to contend for second place this year. Um, in the constructor standings, he thinks that they have the potential to make some pretty big leaps and bounds, uh, similar to what Aston Martin has done. Um, and, and essentially said that the, if you're competing with the top or with the second, third and fourth place teams at the moment, Aston Martin, Mercedes and Ferrari, um, there is easily potential for um, for them to kind of 
scoot in there and fight for he feels like all of them are at a similar playing field so um with some upgrades and and improvements he said three to four tenths of a second then they can be competing i mean that's a, a huge huge improvement but i also have no idea what kind of upgrades and and plans they have in place what they're seeing with their data um for any packages that they're bringing on and mm-hmm. i mean they are they're at eight points they're in sixth in the constructors right now but if they had not had their fiasco last race at uh, the Australian Grand Prix, they would be not far behind Ferrari there, who is currently in fourth place. Um, that I think they would have been uh, maybe ten points back from Ferrari or so. Um, so I mean, it's not it's not unreasonable, but I also I feel like maybe they can fight for third more than fighting for second. I feel like Aston Martin has been. Uh, far and away like the second best team so far this season Mm -hmm. Um, with especially how well Fernando's driven, how Mm -hmm. well Lance is driven after injuries and everything um, in the off season. So I, I have trouble imagining that big of a, of a stretch for Alpine. I don't know, man. Um, Well, yeah, it's still that, so early in the season, though. So there, there is. Yeah, a little... I think that was going to be my thought. <clears throat> Sorry. No, no, that, <laughs> that's fine. But you're, yeah, you're just overall right. Where it's like it's it's too early early to tell, but it does feel like based on the performance of the teams that you mentioned, bro. Even if they're right, that like they would have to do something pretty incredible each weekend and have other teams like run into like big blunders. I think for that to be a case, cause it seems like the teams that would be above them are going to be uh, like pretty darn competitive. The one thing you can look at though, is like the qualifying pace. Like dude, each of these weekends, one through 12 has been within, I think it's like a second of each other, if not like yeah. 0.9, 0. 0.8. So those are insane margins to try and, be like eking out advantages in man yeah i don't see it yeah i think it it would be too big a jump just because i i know that these teams it's easy as a team principal i feel like to make the mistake of going oh i know what improvements we have in store that's gonna get us a tenth here a tenth there whatever but like you you have to consider that the other teams are also going to be making improvements at the same time as you. Like that mm-hmm. is always something that needs to be in consideration when it comes to this. You just don't everyone else doesn't stay still while you keep on like improving your car. Um sure. so I think that's the other the other side of that too. Um but yeah, that uh that kind of wraps out the Quick hitters, uh, long hitters this week for uh, leading up to the Grand Prix here in Azerbaijan at Baku. Yeah, but I think it's all stuff worthwhile talking about. It's the it's the topics that are in the zeitgeist leading up to the race. Um, and it's not like there's anything that goes on that you can really like use to inform you about like what it's going to look like. 
Um, you know, you could look at like previous race data and things like this, but overall, um, the mood of the teams and the drivers and like what they're talking about with upgrades and stuff that does tend to be just like what the, the pre weeks are about. Right. Um, so yeah, I think all worthwhile stuff. Definitely. But, um, but looking at Baku one, um, uh, surprising to me, at least, um, little factoid is that there's no no f1 driver has won baku twice so it's been around uh, since 2016 uh and so rosberg won in 2016 ricardo in 17 hamilton 18 botas 19 perez in 2021 and then verstappen 2022 so um we have uh, an opportunity for uh, a few guys up there to potentially repeat but also um if we want to keep that going then we've got to start going down the list and i think fernando is uh on deck there for for being the furthest towards the top of the grid that has not won it if we uh if we need to keep that streak going so even in his even in his previous years he didn't win it so i think it's only been around since 2016 so oh. this race so it's uh there there have only been six races there as far as i can tell oh that's great whoa okay cool so we're yeah. kind of seeing history in the making yeah so first grand whoa. prix was in 2016 so damn okay good call good call and uh yeah so six uh six different winners in the six races there was no race there in 2020 um due to covid so um yeah well maybe we'll see that continue have a new uh a new winner out there but that kind of leaves it up to i guess alonzo maybe george russell um maybe lance stroll to to sneak in there and uh and take that win if we're not looking at any of those other five guys on the grid um, yeah i think lance would be a really exciting w there that'd be cool i mean has lance he hasn't won a race yet, has he? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean it. It would be cool to see him. Uh, to see him get that race win. Um, also, I think that in the current era of F one, Fernando would be the uh, only driver over forty, maybe, to get a race win. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, since probably like the. 80s maybe because i think before that there were some old heads driving sometimes gotcha. um, so i think that's in the uh in the like new new age era of f1 um but looking at the race this weekend so we have a new f1 sprint f- format that's going to be going on so there's going to be a practice session that's going to happen to or I guess it's Friday morning. Um, and then they'll have qualifying for the race. Mm-hmm. Then on Saturday morning, they're going to have a sprint shootout qualifying, which means mm-hmm. they're going to do uh 12 minute Q1, 10 minute Q2 and eight minute Q3, uh, where Q1 and Q2 have to be on the medium tires and Q3 has to be on the soft tires. 
So gotcha. uh, it's going to be a little bit different. And then of course we'll have the sprint race a um, little, little while after the sprint shootout shootout that will be 9 30 Eastern time um, on Saturday. And then the race Sunday morning, bright and early 7 a.m. That's a, that's a pretty uh, packed format. I would say um, I think what may be interesting because your because the sprint doesn't inform the race i think we may see some different strategies than we've seen with them previously mm-hmm. um i don't know i don't know exactly what way the teams are gonna lean but it seems like hmm, excuse me it seems like there's a possibility for teams to play more for the sprint for the sprint sake and not like protect their race um because they don't have to inform each other and the sprint in and of itself is worth points on the year um i think that could create some interesting uh strategies yeah i i Definitely agree with you there. I think also the um, interesting thing with the sprint shootout and everything will be um, it allows. So, for instance, uh, at Australia, we had Logan Sargent not be able to put in a proper lap uh, for his qualifying. He had some great starts, some great sector one sector two times that uh ended up uh with him fumbling it uh going into the third sector and everything i -hmm. think this allows for during the regular qualifying some of these younger drivers we have a number of them on the grid to put in some kind of just good lap times maybe not quite pushing it to the edges to to try and secure a solid spot in their um, race start, but Mm -hmm. maybe being a little riskier and really sending it in this sprint shootout to try and um, snag what points they can in the sprint race and try and Mm -hmm. get maybe some better positions there. So it's, it's interesting because we're going to have a lot more, um, like high execution required um, parts this weekend. You have one practice session. These driver, these uh, rookies and young drivers who have had very little experience at Baku are going to not get a ton more practice time before it's like everything counts. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see, I think, the difference between yeah that first qualifying and then the sprint shootout and also like the progression of the uh young drivers throughout the weekend and seeing how they they perform with this um this format yeah and even the veteran drivers who are used to you know having things being very regimented in one way um this is it sounds like a very active weekend for them a lot of moving parts so yeah, even for them, it could be a bit of a struggle, maybe not with like uh track data, I would call it, but with a, a weekend flow type thing, maybe they're used to this kind of pace and it's going to be, you know, this kind of, uh, you know, an increased pace and that could, that could throw off their groove as well. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see just how it affects things in general, being the first of its kind. 
Yeah, and I think um, the other thing we may see a bit is teams splitting their driver strategies in FP1 um, because you do want to get that long run data as much as possible in that hour time. But you also need to see kind of how um, the tires are working and and how the feel is on those other tires during the session as well. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see, um, see that because there's a lot of data that these teams want to gather that they, they probably won't be able to get everything they want during just one, one hour session. Of course, but there's something where it's like, all right, so that's like adaptability and malleability. How much, how much can you put together with so little? Um, and it's going to be about teams doing more with less. And I think that's, just like a Monaco or a spa, it's going to create a unique challenge for the teams to to overcome. And then like what you're talking about is like doing long runs and then the like uh, short run type pace, quality lap type pace. Um, that's going to be really exciting and seeing how teams go about that. Yeah, I I agree. I'm looking forward to it. And I like. I mean, it's exciting that everything practically through the entire weekend is like important. There's nothing that you're just like, "Ah, I don't want to, I don't need to watch all of FP2, FP3. I'll just see what the timings are looking like and all. Mm -hmm. Um, So it does, it it changes the, the energy of everything through the weekend. Um, And I, I don't know what F1 is necessarily going for, but maybe that is the target for the viewership perspective to to just have a lot of things that are more exciting to tune into um Mm -hmm. so uh if that's the case i mean i'll i'll be one of those who are watching pretty much everything through the weekend so i'm looking forward to uh to that this weekend yeah at least uh seeing what it's all about and um yeah obviously they're not afraid to like make changes and tweaks and change things yeah i said changes twice um but yeah i if it doesn't work in this way they'll have another thing to try and and whatever so i'm i'm here for the trial runs yeah it'll be it'll be fun to see um sure and who knows maybe they'll shift like we've talked about shift around week to week uh, with the sprint races to test some mm-hmm. different things, figure out what seems to work best. Um, but yeah, just happy that F1 is back. It's been agreed. It's been too long. Final thoughts though. How does it feel knowing that Max nor uh, Sergio is going to win this weekend? I'm just curious who it's going to be, man. Right. Right. Who gets selected and, and how Max and, and Checo uh, end up, be falling uh some horrid uh engine failure or something like that on the track or or what i'm curious what what takes him out final lap max one sergio two logan russell three (laughs) logan sargent blue flags and and slams into all of them (laughs) 
Bro, you went a completely different direction. I was going to say Red Bull gets the the team orders to just slam on the brakes on the on the pitch straight to give the dub to George Russell and they just like stop like right before the line and then take 2-3. Okay, that's pretty good too. Yeah. We're like they're going to win it and then they just like hand it to to keep the Baku dream alive for the memes. For the memes, dude. Hell yeah. I think um uh, oh shit! I couldn't find his name quickly enough. Shia LaBeouf would be proud. Yes, don't don't let your dreams be dreams, man. Dude, there's power in that idea. There, oh, absolutely. Don't fuck um, around. Do it today. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. just do it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited for that fun race this weekend. Um, also looking forward to MSI. Um. A couple of things that are going to be a little little sad, or one main thing that I'm a little bummed out about, but Dash is not going to be at MSI. He was not invited to be a part of the analyst desk or broadcast or hosting. Um, I believe Shox is going to be the, the host on the desk throughout mm-hmm. MSI, which, I mean, hey, I... Shox is great. I enjoy like her hosting and everything, but um, I'm just surprised that they don't have both of them. Like they kind of have done over the past few years and different events. They usually have the two of them kind of alternating, taking turns, working together and whatnot. So, yeah, I would be curious to know why, like, if there was a, like, specific reason. It could be as simple as just, like, a scheduling issue. I don't know, like, what's been said, like, on their social medias or whatever. Um, but, yeah, it just sounds like a tough problem for these, like, uh, for these uh, showrunners where they probably have a lot of great talent available and oh, yeah. you only have so many, like, on-air slots and um that is likely as tough for it is for viewers it's probably a pretty tough choice for like the hosting team as well um to like figure out like who gets cut like nobody wants to make that choice um but but from that perspective like nobody wants to be the guy that is cut too from your like to and i say this to say to your point is like Dash is an incredible host and has been for so long um, that, yeah, it is unfortunate for such a capstone tournament. I mean, obviously, one of two a year that we get um, that he doesn't get to be a part of that is kind of a shame. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, it's it's a tough decision that they have to come down to with all of that and like splitting time. I'm sh- There's cost components and everything with that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I, and so Dash, he, he was, he tweeted out that he was, uh, he said he was devastated, um, but he is wishing the, the team the best in delivering a great show, just the normal kind spirited guy, but shocks, shocks replied to that, um, and said that she wished that they could have shared the desk. It seems like the optimal way to do it, but I guess, um, it's probably between costs and other other different things. Like, yeah, it's a they sometimes have to make decisions that aren't the happiest. But uh, but a bummer because I I enjoy 
watching Dash on the desk, he is one of the people who make that actually like worthwhile watching for me. Um, mm-hmm. Shocks is another one, so I'll still like, uh, of course, be tuning in because she does a, an awesome job too. But yeah, I was just uh, I was surprised. I feel like I've just like been so used to him being kind of one of the main hosts of any major tournament for years now that I'm just like. Oh yeah, Dash will be there. I'll like tune in for a little little bit of that and the segments before the the games and everything. Um, so just just a, a bit odd. One thing I think that is going to be a big boon to the tournament though this year is best of three play in stage and then on to uh, best of fives all throughout the bracket stage. Nothing but best of fives the whole time. And then with the best of threes in the in the playing stages, I feel like this is finally, finally a format that is like worth talking about, worth being interested in. The double yep. elimination, there's loser losers brackets for the play-ins, and then there's a whole losers bracket for the bracket stage. Like, dude, tell me, tell me what is more exciting than getting the full possible amount of games well technically no (laughs) um the i think it it looks like a great format the only um the only thing that i'd honestly like love to to see would be um having some a little bit of just more games like i um this is a great format I think the only thing that would boost it for me is even if you play a single round Robin where each of the teams plays the other three teams in their group once that's sure. That's what four games or something like there's not a lot of games or I don't know how many games that is. Um, I guess it's like seven games or eight games or something per group that you would get just a little bit more um, to maybe uh, warm teams up, but they're getting their scrim time. They're getting their, like all of that going too. So I'm sure the teams would be ready. It would just be interesting to see, I guess if even if they get one V one or, or one round best, uh, like one round Robin. Yes. Where each team plays like three games. Right. Uh, then you could have some more interesting wrinkles in the uh, best of matches. Um, but that's all. Uh, like otherwise, like like you said, they have a losers bracket. It's best of three for the the play-ins. Then they move to best of fives for the uh, the second stage of the tournament and everything. Like I really me wanting a few more games is like just enjoying the, the tournament and the format and everything like that's just more league of legends is, is a good thing in my mind. So yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Like in practice though, like that would just be DFM losing three times or like gam losing three times or whatever. Cause well, like we've, we've already seen that group stage before we saw it last year, the year before yeah, where there's then, like, but then DFM can lose three times and then lose two more in a best of three. 
And so sure. then they get five games instead sure. of just getting two owed by PSG and <laughs> being done in two games. How demoralized do you want your your teams? <laughs> yeah. I think is is the is the question. Do but you no, want an O two or an O five? Come on. <laughs> See, yeah, O two is uh, much more reasonable, I think, and probably less heartbreaking for the team. Yeah, I I would imagine that it would be a little bit better um, for morale. But I can I can sympathize with uh, wanting just more games. Uh, but yeah, overall, man, I'm super excited for this. Probably more than I've been for like any MSI previously. Uh, without really uh, without really realizing it, um, just having. Oh man, just having more games like in those series is going to be is going to be really fun. Um I'm just super super looking forward to it. Yeah, the um the one thing that I wanted to talk about though since it happened over this past week was the LEC and EMEA a little bit. Um mm-hmm. and so I didn't get to watch through all the games I watched through a little bit, but just in terms of how the lec slots um worked out for msi so the number one team from uh the spring playoffs was seated in as the number one emea lec squad the second squad was the team who had won the winter playoffs in the lec and emea so gotcha so g2 who won in winter, but then got beat out in a three to two by the eventual winners of uh, the spring playoffs for LEC. Um, They finished fourth in the spring and are going to MSI where BDS who three owed vitality took mad to five games in the finals and everything uh is just unfortunately gonna be sitting at home that's something i didn't realize last week where i was thinking like oh like the one and two teams from this playoffs are gonna go to msi we'll see um we'll get to see bds after i after they three owed vitality i was like oh bds is is in there like we'll get to see crowny and nuke and all on the international stage and uh they they get three two in the finals and miss out because of the LEC's new format uh, that they went to with three splits this year. So mm-hmm. kind of a bummer. Well, they have to. They have. If you're gonna split it into three, you got to give like a reward for winning the first one. It oh, just yeah. sucks that the runner up here gets kind of shafted. Right. Um, and then like. I'm curious to see what that does for if they end up behind pace in their third split where then the reward is like a world's birth, right? Um, So yeah, I'd be curious to see what the points end up being like and if this is like really detrimental to uh, second place in spring. Yeah, because I mean, BDS ended... Yeah, like BDS was seventh in the winter in the winter uh, playoffs. Like they were, they got two one by G two in mm-hmm. 
their first round. Then they got two one by Astralis in their losers bracket matchup. And so they like finished way down and then to, to make the run that they did to the finals and everything. Um, it, it's just a bummer. I, it's recency bias. Like you said, there has to be a reward for that first, um, that first winner groups, uh, mm-hmm. position and everything. Um, it's just, it's definitely funky to see it work out that way, as opposed to, I'm just so used to the championship points thing. Like say, okay, G2 gets X amount of championship points for that. And then BDS got X amount. Like it may still work out the same way. Um, but it always seems weird to me to give I mean, it can happen by championship points too. And it's always weird to me that the team that's not necessarily performing the best at the time right before the tournament still has a shot to get in through these other methods. Like I I just in my brain it makes sense to send the teams that are performing the best at the time right before the tournament go to the tournament. Like that's kind yeah. of like how I make sense of it because there have been times where teams have done great, even when it was a two split format where they've mm. done super well in the spring split, not that well in the second split, but they had enough championship points to get that third slot or whatever for worlds. Um, and so in this position, it's just, uh, it's funky seeing the, the first and fourth place team from this split, uh, in the LEC going on to be the MSI, um, representatives yeah and in some ways like you're selecting for what teams are representative over the course of play that we've had so far where if you had like one or two more international tournaments where you could get like seeded in in different ways then that would like that would satisfy that itch of yours where you want it to be like, oh no, just the best teams at the time should be at that tournament. And that like kind of makes sense to me because you might end up just finding like an underperforming G2 where it's like, yeah. oh, they they weren't worth their salt. Like BDS at the time was actually better. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I I see what you're saying, man. Or the, or the old school format where it was like just the f- top team from each region goes. Like there were no second teams at MSI. Right, uh, right back where, when it was Team Ice and Team Fire. Yeah, the, the all-star matchups. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's it's easier to set it up the way that they that LEC did it this way when there are more teams that are being invited so for mm-hmm. like a world's event larger event where you get two teams to the main the group stage automatically and one team in the play in or whatever there's there's a little more wiggle room um mm-hmm. but i was just i was very impressed by this bds squad so i i'm really looking forward to hopefully seeing them go on to play internationally at worlds but the two teams that we do have from the lec are teams that have players with experience on the international stage, which is not, not a bad thing either for G2. 
it's Caps, Hansama, Mickey X, Broken Blade, and Yike. So um, Yike, I think, is the only one without international experience there. Um, gotcha. From the Mad Lions squad, I mean, it's Niski, Karzi, Hillsong, Elioya, and then Chasey. And Chasey mm-hmm. is the only one there that I don't think has international experience. Gotcha. Um, so, I mean, both teams are sending some solid rosters as as long as they're they're performing well and everything. So it'll be um it'll still be a great tournament. Um I'm not pissed at anyone for G2 being in. I just was excited to potentially see BDS. Um and after playing a, a really solid series against Mad Lions and just uh coming out just on the bottom there. Um mm-hmm. I it caught me off guard that they weren't going. I forgot that the LEC had changed their format. So, right. Yeah. So there was a lot on the line for that, for that matchup. Damn. Yeah. And, uh, and unfortunately it was a pretty, pretty rough way to lose the last two games in that best of five to mad Lions. They go up two one, uh, lose game four in 23 minutes and 52 seconds. Um, with a 15 to five kill score and then game five, they lose in 28 minutes in a 14 to zero, uh, score. So, uh, impressive way to, to wrap that out from mad lions and to come back. But, uh, for the, the, and it was the, the reverse sweep. Niski took that C nine reverse sweep energy and, and ran. There you go. Um, you can't beat the memes. Sorry, BDS. Damn, dude. Just <laughs> unplay those games and everything will be fine. Yeah. Yo, BDS, unplay this, dude. Unplay that series, man. BDS uh, up 2-0. <laughs> Congratulations on making it to MSI. <laughs> right, right. There you go. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the tournament. Um, we've got all the teams solidified. Um but just to, to run through them, we have straight to the bracket stage. We have Gen G, JD Gaming, Mad Lions, Cloud9, and T1. Um, and then in the playing stage, we'll see Billy Billy Gaming, G2 Esports, Golden Guardians, PSG Talon, Gam Esports, Detonation Focus Me, Loud, and Movistar R7. Um, so I think Movistar R7 has not. Uh, I don't think been to international competition previously. If I, uh, if I remember correctly, um, yeah, I think you're right. And based on looking at their lineup, I, there are not any names that I recognize there either. So I think that should be a, a full new team. Brazil mm-hmm. with loud still has Tinones coming in, in the mid lane. So he's hanging in there. DFM from Japan is a very similar lineup as well. Uh, Aria, Utapon, Steel, um, all still there. So a lot of uh, a lot of faces we've seen before, but there will be plenty of uh, of new people as well. I think PSG mm-hmm. Talon's almost entire roster is different, um, and for them to change everything up and still make it to international competition is uh, is pretty impressive as well. Yeah, that's uh that's really strong. I'm looking forward to seeing uh DFM DFM play. They always bring some exciting matches out of out of Japan. 
Yeah, they they so I <laughs> picking on them and saying they were going to go o two or o five is uh, not potentially correct, but um, but yeah, looking forward to seeing how they how they do. Um, but I think that wraps up the most of the League of Legends talk. I don't know if you had any other points that you wanted to hit before moving along. No, not really. I think just the main topics were the, you know, the um, format changes and just the, I think, positive, uh, positive things that that will bring. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of it. That starts next Tuesday uh, pretty early. So we may able we may be able to bring some first impressions coming in um, or first impressions looking ahead to the bracket stage come come Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it's exciting League of Legends, exciting F1. We had some exciting CSGO. Why don't you uh, kind of tell us a little bit about watching some of the IEM Rio here? So I'm just going to bother you with the kind of like the final stages. The um, the group was, groups were pretty exciting overall. I thought the like most interesting thing to bring out of the groups was um, Heroic, the team that ends up going second, starts down in the loser's bracket. Um, they lost to Big 2-1 after their, uh, after their win against 9, so that drops them down into the lo- loser's bracket, so they have to win their way through there to get back up to, you know, like actually tournament winning contention. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but once you get into like the playoff stages, I think that's where it gets um, a little more exciting. Heroic beats Furia in a 2-1, to which again for Furia is a repeat of of Rio 2022 fucking same thing happens on so this is main stage now this is like big arena everybody's packed house right so this is Brazil like Furious home team advantage Mm. heroic just knocks them down and like the energy just dwindles so much um and it's just uh really unfortunate for Furia then the heroic versus Navi semifinal bro you be sweating if you were a navi fan so you're 15 14 t side you're navi you're perfecto you're placed in a pre-plant there's like six seconds on the clock you have you have a heroic member up in heaven like knowing exactly that you're looking to plant Perfecto runs into, we're on overpass. He runs onto, I'm not sure which side it is, but the one that has the the column in the middle, he runs mm. to the corner, tries to plant, but it's out of range. You literally cannot plant there. So he has to readjust and try and stick the plant. But by this time he's out of time and he just has to like look for the kill, but that puts it to overtime. Now that's 15, 15, like Navi was looking to just seal it up right there. 15-15. It goes to triple overtime, my guy. Navi always ahead, always, always ahead. But Heroic continually just pushes it to the next overtime and the next overtime until finally they crack Navi, get the advantage in in rounds, and then they and then they win it. And then bro, their second map, 
slaughter. I think the score was like 16 to like five. I want to guess it was 16, nine. Uh, but it was so overpass was heroics pick and ancient yes. was Navi's pick and yes. they got smoked smoked and bro the look on perfecto's face round after round after round that heroic kept like clawing their way back in like it was all his fault it was all his fault and it was written all over his face it was brutal man it was really bad and like you have Kadian on the other side like this guy is the most exciting player to watch from an in-game leader perspective he's hyping everybody up he's fucking screaming he's getting like livid bro at like how close they are to winning um mm. so that was just in that like map one that overtime that final round was that was some crazy csgo to watch well and that's that's wild too that i that blows my mind that a player tried to plant at a spot that they can't plant like these are the these guys have played these maps so many times they go into customs and to just to see that stuff like i guarantee there are guys that go into a custom with no one on the map and just run with the bomb to the different sites and just go oh i can play it here oh i can play it here oh i can play it here and just go around and find that zone and like where the edges and everything are for him to that's uh that would be a a pretty um, mind shattering, mind breaking kind of mistake to uh, to make. I can understand why it was a struggle after that. Oh yeah, dude. Ah, uh, oh, it was it was heartbreaking. You just kind of knew. Yeah, it may take a little bit, but heroic was likely going to come out on top there. So that's Navi knocked out of the tournament. Now the next semifinal, Vitality versus Cloud9. Cloud9 is up. I think they're up map one. They're map two on Vertigo. I think the scoreline was like 12 to 3 Cloud9. They're about to lock it up. And then Dupree on Vitality just found his mouse he woke up he came to the arena whatever it was round after round this guy just kept putting up the kills and finding like some insane two pieces a bunch of multi kills like he was going rampant and he they held the team overall holds cloud nine to 12 rounds in that second map on the second half I forget what the the final score was. I think they won 16 to 14. So it was Cloud9 was 12-3 on their uh first half. Yep. Vitality went 12 and 3 on the second half to bring it to a 15-15 tie and then in the tiebreaker Vitality went 4-1. Gotcha. Okay, so, so it was didn't a go nine, to OT. Yeah, so nineteen sixteen uh overtime. Wild. But that was that was crazy because this was a cloud nine that was looking they were to... on it. I was yes. I was texting you about it. I was like, I thought we were gonna see just one of the biggest blowouts in that in that round that we had seen and a two oh from from cloud nine there. Mm-hmm. It was it was wild. I'm not like I know some 
maps are like T side heavy or CT heavy, but they just looked so comfortable and clean. Like I couldn't imagine them not picking up a couple of rounds that they needed on that, that uh, other, other half. So sure. Right. It feels inevitable in that scenario. Um, and then, you know, so Vitality wins map two and then they're able to bring it back on map three, get themselves to the grand final. And man, it was just their whole team, like just, just getting the kills, getting the, like, I'm not that eloquent in talking about Counter-Strike, but yeah, it was just some fun series to watch. It was, it was very exciting. Me and Sarah were, uh, were getting hype and then the grand final Vitality versus Heroic. Unfortunately, this is the third time in a row Heroic gets to a grand final of an IEM major. First, they fall to, uh, their logo is a dog. Uh, it doesn't matter though. Um, but yet two owed by vitality and they were just, they were just unstoppable here. It was not the most exciting grand final. I actually think the, 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 the climax of the, of the tournament was those two semis. They were just fucking crazy. Yeah. I mean, very, very good, um, semifinals, but yeah, the, the finals was, I watched through the highlights and it was just a highlight reel for the Vi- Vitality squad mm-hmm. and their players. I mean, uh, especially like Zywu, Dupree, and Apex all just were playing ridiculously well. Every player on Vitality in that finals was positive in their kill death. Um, it, was, it was a really just impressive performance from like pistol rounds on like the pistol rounds were ridiculous from vitality um but yeah definitely definitely tough for heroic to to end up in that same spot again um the all swedish i believe line or all danish sorry lineup that they have there swedish is the blue flag they're the uh the red and white Mm. so yeah all danish squad um that just keeps finishing like you said that second the last three uh three big tournaments and they have a couple first they won uh two blast premieres last year but Mm -hmm. um but yeah just not not quite able to pull it out here at iem rio versus vitality um who who just played really impressively dude and like at each at each uh, role, I think they you could look at each of the players and like talk about rounds that they have where they just like clutched up. They brought it back for their team. Um, yeah. They put their team in winning positions. And then from like a storyline perspective, here's a here's a major where the cited best player in the world is on the team that wins the major. That is often good in the in the history of that player where it 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 continues to tell that story we're like yeah yeah he's still winning you know um so i think for for zywu that's gotta be um yeah just another notch in the belt another another reason why they they say he is uh pretty strong in the game right now 
Yeah, uh, and I mean, watching it, it, there's no doubt about it. He was he was popping off. Um, but yeah, fun tournament. I know um, I enjoy what I'm able to catch about C- uh, from sure. CSGO and everything. I know I'm not always uh, right on the, um, the edge of my seat every event, but it's a, it's a fun game to watch. So a nice, uh, nice tournament for the weekend and, and some fun highlights to check out. Yeah, I agree. I think there's uh, Melbourne coming up yet this like, it, you know, in this uh, next couple of months, I believe Dallas is coming up soon as well. Um, so just more more CSGO, more majors to be had. Uh, so that's that's all good stuff. I just want to talk a little bit about some Magic the Gathering that we've had um, this week and then we can finish it out with the flavor of the week here. Um, Pioneer was this weekend. I got a win. I went 1-2 on the night where nice. previously I went 0-3, made some improvements, got some uh made some important swaps into the deck, added some more removal in. I found a copy of a card called Galvanic Iteration, red and a blue, instant speed. When you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, you may co- copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. It also has flashbacks, so you can pay one, a blue, and a red and do that effect again. I had a similar mm. card in that slot, um, and it just isn't as good. I saw Galvanic Iteration. It came up twice in the games that I played, and it was a house. It actually like gave me advantage in the game um so i know like i understand why it's there lets you like double up on removal spells let you double up on some card draw spells super super good um so that was fun to improve the deck improve my standings i thought that was just like I, like it doesn't get any better than that when you're like just looking for progress looking to learn um, well, and getting that first win in the format in like an official like kind oh of yeah baby play group and everything that's big that's like that shows you've pro- progressed like the first uh pioneer day at the at the card shop and everything you were like i feel like i have a lot to learn <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah and just in this short time you came out and got a got a win already that's that's awesome i saw on so i'm really not convinced in my third matchup i played as well as i could have um it was a matchup that i've seen a bunch before and i don't think i played as well um But looking back over it, I don't really know what I could have done different. So Mm. it was against Mono White Aggro. His list was kind of different than what I was used to. Um, So I think there was like some card choices that like kind of threw me off a little bit. But that aside, one of the matchups I did play against was Spirits, White Blue Spirits. It's like interacting at like instant flash speed so they kind of just like draw and pass and then they'll like cast things on your turn um okay 
there were a couple of really important like interaction moments there but just overall learning about that deck was really cool it's like super interactive really aggressive too um so that was cool but just overall really happy about the one two and then again commander knight get a one two came close to winning two games me and john were uh in the in the in the final position he kind of had an ace in the hole knocked me out but game three i was able to able to seal up and then my final thoughts here tomorrow will hopefully be our first um first thursday night magic looking to get some spell table games in online with the michigan gang in like a more like organized fashion where hoping to meet every thursday um so i'm definitely gonna gonna show up early bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and hopefully um kind of make a good impression on the first night hopefully get um you know a bunch of interest to you know just be able to jam games all the time but I think nice. good week for Magic. I've got that. I've got the 1K coming up on Sunday, my brother. I'm so fucking stoked. Um, the registration's weekend, up online, man. dude. I know it's gonna be crazy. Um, registration's up online. We have to post our deck list, uh, so that's kind of exciting. Um, because okay. these two, these two other times you haven't had to, so this is gonna be a little new, a little different. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely be excited to give you the give you the post battle report uh, next Wednesday. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to it. That's gonna be awesome. Oh yeah, um, man. But yeah, I guess that uh, that rounds us out here to the flavor of the week. I'll, uh, I'll run through mine quick, but for food. Um, so we went to this food truck festival. We took Senna with us. We So walked her down there. It's about two miles. Um, wandering around. It was mobbed. It was crazy. Every food. We saw so many good food trucks. Every single one, 80 people deep in line. And I, we were like, for one, I was like, I am not going to be able to keep Senna preoccupied, standing in line, shifting like a couple feet forward every couple minutes or whatever. Like that ain't going to fly. So we like, we're wandering. We went through everything, trying to find something that wasn't just mobbed. We'd find one and be like, oh, okay. And then we'd start following the line and the line would like wrap around the back of the food truck where we couldn't see and just be like down the block. And we're like, brutal. Like, come on. Uh, So we ended up just popping into one of the restaurants downtown and just they had an outdoor table that we didn't have to wait at all for. So we went to a food truck festival, didn't get any food truck festival food, um, but popped into a restaurant we haven't been at before. Um, we got a pickle pizza to split between the four of us as a little appetizer and then, uh, got some good food. Um, but yeah, that, that pickle pizza, it was weird. Uh, so it's, it was just very unique. Um, at dill pickles, it had some, I think it was, um, I think it was like pork butt or something like that, like um, thick bacon pieces on it and whatnot, Ooh, um, along damn. with the the pickle. So it was uh, it was pretty solid, um, but definitely enjoyed it. Even though it was it was not the goal when we headed downtown. Dude, that's super silly, man. Just a whole bunch of people waiting in line, not a whole bunch of people eating. 
Oh, it was crazy. And like yeah. even the lines for like they had lines for um pina coladas in a pineapple, like the pineapple's hollowed out and, and you get a few pineapple pieces mixed in and whatever. The line for that was like two blocks long. And I was like Wild. I was like I'm not standing in this line. Like I, I got sunburnt on my the top of my head already. Mm. I'm like it's it's barely spring and my thin hair is letting the sun through too much already. I'm like, if I had sta- stood in one of those lines, uh, it would have been miserable. Would not have worked lobster. out. So, uh, so yeah, I think we made the right call, but it was a bummer because there were lots of good looking food trucks that I would have loved course. to be able to to meander through and actually, I don't know, order something from. Um, but for my, uh, my music this week, um, I just wanted to shout out an artist I've uh, been checking out a little more. I found uh, someone on TikTok saying that he reminded them of Mac Miller. I think I mentioned him a little while back when I was going through my TikTok uh, music stuff, but Squid the Kid, um, Australian uh, young rapper that's coming up. He, um, he's he got some good sounding music. It's, uh, it's very nice. like fun. Um, energetic bouncy uh has like a a style that i obviously enjoy if you're able to compare it to mac miller um so i've uh i've been jamming to him a little bit here and there this past week just uh delving into his uh his uh catalog a little more but then for my visual medium this week colleen and i watched uh this jury duty show and went all the way made it to uh, through to the end of it. It was on, I think, Amazon Prime. Um, but it, the gist of the show is there's one person who is a real person, and everyone else in the show are actors, and so they're reacting to all of everything he does because they can't prepare or plan for it. It's uh it's like a interesting, pretty unique show. Um, and so they go through this whole like fake trial uh and everything and then reveal to to him at the end that everyone else was an actor and all the things that happened throughout the the show were all just either contrived or or like they had to kind of on the spot uh figure like responses and whatnot out sure it was like emergent yes so very uh a very interesting show i enjoyed it because it was all it was all like very lighthearted in terms of like the way it ended like there was nothing that was when there are shows like this something i i get like secondhand uncomfortable pretty easily so there was nothing that was like they were poking fun or really like messing with this guy in like a not cool way being Mm -hmm. the only one on the outside they kind of let it play out naturally and everything and just like watched and and pivoted and whatnot based on what happened and what he did and how people reacted and everything um so a really interesting show overall. I would definitely uh, recommend it. Hell yeah. Okay. Jury duty. Yeah, we've uh, obviously seen the commercials, but uh, I appreciate the wreck. Yeah, I would check it out. Um, but that's my flavor of the week for this week. 
Nice. Uh, my visual medium here this week uh, went back to an old staple, an old classic, um, the Japanese animation Akira. Watched gotcha. that last night for the first time all the way through. I guess I got to like the the bridge scene the first time I watched it. Okay. Um, where I guess it's Tetsuo that like runs into the kid, the helicopter comes, they like pick them up, and then everybody's mm. left wondering, like, what the fuck? What's yeah. going on here? Um, that's where I'd gotten to the first time, finished it out last night. And holy shit, it is a wild ride. Um, and knowing knowing that each of those frames is like hand drawn and just how beautiful it is, like it fucks around with light in a really crazy way. Um, the like the motorcycle headlights, the the little rover, little flyer, little swamp uh app. What am I thinking of? Sewer, the little sewer flyer, that thing's crazy. Um mm-hmm. Just so much beautiful, uh, just animation and drawing. The story, though, I was just having like reflections of like all these other like things that are just like, oh, that's just that was just Akira, wasn't it? Where like yeah. superpowered kid, like these kind of things. Um, but yeah, it was beautiful, and I'm I'm super happy to have watched it for the first time. I haven't watched it all the way through. I had started it at one point and didn't make it very far. I think I was like going to sleep or something like that and threw sure. it on. And it was like not, I want to actually go back and watch it, but um, it is, it's, it's a classic. And like you said, like it was made in 1988, everything's hand drawn. So looking back at that and then of course, comparing it to things after, I'm sure that's uh it's kind of funny to, to see. Dude, and like it's fun to uh, it's fun to hit one of like the pillars of a of a medium um, mm-hmm. and understand like okay, this is why people love this stuff, right? Because there is yeah. there is beautiful work being done. Um, so yeah, Akira was fucking sweet. Um, my food here for the week, uh, another staple: cilantro lime chicken. Me and Sarah cooked it up nice. um, over the weekend. Just great sauce. You get something with rice, and you get some some browned up chicken and it's just it's just a lovely time um and then my music here for the week we were listening to fleetwood mac rumors on the uh on the record player and it's funny on the vinyl there's a bunch of photos of the band on the back there's like a little reel of like a couple of small shots and then there's hmm. a big shot of the band all like standing they they were like candidates basically and it's a snapshot of like five or six people that are all in total emotional turmoil effectively they all kind of fucking hate each other at the time that these photos were taken so during the recording of rumors there was uh two members of the band were married they had gotten divorced so they were recording the album while working through their divorce proceedings there was another i believe it was um uh, yeah just two other bandmates were like canoodling but were not on good terms enough where anytime they like they would be arguing and just at each other's throats anytime they would be recording and it would just be a pain. And then another set of like unfortunate circumstances going on all while recording this album mm. and just relationships just like 
crumbling apart just falling apart and that's such a great album <laughs> it's wonderful and some there there is a there is a subset of people that are going to put that very high on a list in like yeah. in like cr- classic rock like reverence right um oh, yeah. so it's amazing to see this like snapshot in time and it it rebounded my love for album art and album inserts and like do you get the lyrics you get like producer where it was recorded um dude it's just uh something about a snapshot in time and seeing these people that are odds but have done something so beautiful it's it's very juxtaposing and interesting. Um, so me oh, and Sarah yeah. were talking about that and going through that, and it's just fun listening to uh, listening to some vinyl on a on a warm warm spring afternoon. But uh, yeah, that's my flavor of the week here, sir. Nice, I love it. Um, yeah, vinyl. I, I enjoy listening to vinyl and all all that other good stuff that comes along with it. Um, it it's always a treat getting to look through some of the extras that you have uh, and everything. Mm -hmm. It's like, I take more time with an album that way as opposed to just being like, Oh yeah, let me throw it on Spotify. Like I'm just uh, that it's uh, it's more intentional. So it's uh, very cool. But as always, the flavor of the week does bring us to the end of the episode. Um, as always, we appreciate you guys taking the time to listen with us. We enjoy putting this out week after week. Um, and you can find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify. Check us out on YouTube. Hit us up on Twitter, at Tall and Short of One, the number one. Um, but we uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in and uh, hearing us talk week after week. Yeah. Uh, tell your friends new episodes every Thursday. You know where to find us. This has been another episode of the Tall and Short of a Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Peace out. See ya.